Hey, Eddie, great to see you. Uh, hey, uh, yeah, I've been working a lot at night. I look, kind of feel like a vampire sometimes. Don't say that word. Don't, don't, you know, no, no, the one you've been feeling like, don't say it. He, uh, he could, uh. What, what word? Vampire? Die, monster! You don't belong in this world! Oh, here we go. Was not by my hand that I was once again given flesh. I was brought here by humans who wish to pay me tribute. Die, monster. And he's getting into it too. Well, I guess by majority rules that makes it Castlevania episode then. Not that I mind. It's an influential series with legendary soundtracks. Machiri Yamane and others paved the way for the most noteworthy pieces of video game music and all that. It just... Some might get a little you passionate about it. Oh well, so maybe property damage, but it's still music arcade. But enough talk. Have a joke. Hello everyone, welcome to a very special first of our Halloween episodes of Music Arcade, where we are talking... Well, we're talking vampires and vampire killers and whips and just some spectacular heckin' music. Oh yeah, some legendary music. I am Ronico, by the way. I'm Galen, the sound guy, Firestone, and welcome back, Eddie. Yes, and I actually like Garlic. Thank you very much. Same. Very same. Yeah, and me free. Um, anyway, we've been plotting and planning this episode for a very long time, and actually getting it to air has been actually more of a challenge than it should have been. But we're finally here, so let's talk about it. Yeah, and uh, it's basically an episode like we have to talk about it at some point we've talked about some of the tracks from the series before mm -hmm. and uh, yeah when we think uh, video game and video game music and things that marked uh, the ages and the eras uh, we the two main topics are the more disconnected Final Fantasy, or the more unified and self-referential Castlevania. So let's begin, not by the beginning, because beginning actually started with Castlevania 3. <laughs> what started in Castlevania 1, however, was Vampire Killer. I mean, yeah, this is obviously one of the most iconic themes, kind of, in all of video game music. Um... It's hard yeah, for me I mean, it's, uh, uh, there's, uh, if you'll allow me a little tangent right away. May as well uh, start off strong. Not enough after the last episode, huh? <laughs> there's, uh, these, uh, kind of, uh, Magic the Gathering cards that are, uh, special because uh, the name of the card correspond to the type of the card. For instance, Skeleton Archers are type card skeleton archers here it's got that same self-referential vibe name vampire killer occupation vampire killer title theme vampire killer pretty much it says it all um i mean why why reinvent the wheel right yeah sometimes just want to hit the nail right on the head there, there, there's <laughs> a time that. and place for subtlety this isn't yeah, one of them. and that isn't one of them. It's, uh... Like, this game and this series has its roots deep in horror imagery, mm -hmm. but what's abundantly clear from the 
from the start with tracks such as these is that you're not there to be scared of the night and everything. You're here to punch the horse in the face. Yeah. This is not Lovecraft. This is you going through the countryside and a complicated castle to punch a vampire in the face. Or yep. with it. Or whip it, You're yeah. basically looking at the at the protagonist from the actual Dracula novel going, <laughs> weaklings. Right? Um, exactly. Yeah, uh, it, this series obviously takes a lot of cues from more campy horror, like the original Universal Horror. In fact, several Universal Horror monsters show up in one way or another as bosses in the Castlevania series. Yeah, so, yeah, there's uh, that uh, spooky gallery of the mummy, uh, mm -hmm. Medusa... The Frankenstein's monster. Pretty much, Frankenstein's pretty much monster. all of them appear in some way or another, though the Invisible Man is not a boss, just a regular enemy. But yeah. I think all of them appear. Um, yeah. And that kind of is its selling point, in a way, because it's, again, as you said, it's not there to make you scared, it's there to make you smile, although, admittedly, the jump physics are incredibly scary. <laughs> yeah, the scariest enemy in all of Castlevania is gravity. Gravity I and stairs. I don't really know how the laws of physics work in that world. <laughs> Very carefully. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting because that music does not encourage you being careful at all. No, no, no it doesn't. Um, Speedruns of this game always kind of mystify me because it's like, how do you control the uncontrollable? So much. Um... But we were talking about setting the scene, and, you know, if anything does, it's Vampire Killer. Like, and... Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, and it's, again, it's not like we're short of any, like, really emblematic themes. Uh, obviously, you have other huge ones, like, of course, Bloody Tears, one of the other big two, I would say. Um, and short enough, and sure enough, Bloody Tears has no shortage of, you know, remixes and remasters and, um... Yeah, so, it's one of the most emblematic and, even more than that, one of the most inspiring and prolific pieces of video game music. Maybe the most. And I believe it's, it's also the only uh, piece of music from the entire franchise that was used in the anime. Yeah. Which, I have yet to watch uh, is... the anime, which is something I still need to correct at some point, but yeah, that's... That's a bit of a shame, considering, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, it's, it's, well, I'm glad something got used, but at the same time... It, like, it is used very well. Yeah, I don't say that much. Yes, and it's still one piece of music used more than Sonic, whose films are excellent, hilarious, Jim Carrey as Robert Nick is great, but I can't believe they have no Sonic music in those. Ooh, and Sonic is, is well known for very its soundtracks. Very good music, too, though not as emblematic as Castlevania, which is mostly uh, about how important that uh, series music is. Vampire Killer probably at the spearhead. Uh, Bloody Tears probably at the spearhead. Understandably, and so um, this is going to sound like a tangent. We're coming back around to it. Uh, Eddie, once upon a time, you were the guy who introduced me to an Italian artist, I believe, who manages to mix metal and video game music and chiptune by the name of Master Boot Record. Also known as Mr. Victor Love. 
Love that that's that. Love that that's the translation of that guy's real name. I think he he actually seems to go by that name too. Yeah, because that's the, how he's credited on uh, Encyclopedia Metallum. Yeah, but yeah, his actual it. name is is that but Italian. Vittorio D'Amore. Exactly. Wow. <laughs> Lucky man with a name like that. Uh, and I, not Victor, love his music. Um, oh, yeah, no, that's that's, that's really strong of you to say Galen Firestone. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Um, yeah, uh, let's be honest here. Master Boot Record kind of can do no wrong. This, this yeah. goes hard and does not mess around. Yeah, that's... Very up description. They go really hard with uh, those gritty chip tunes and uh, use them to great effect to uh, make it seem both entertaining, harmonious, and like your Amiga computer is dying. Yeah. Um, that dude is probably one of very few artists where there isn't a single track I dislike from him. Yeah. And this is definitely not an exception. Yeah. Um, mild tangent, but we've kind of been poking at the idea of a point and click episode, and I've been waiting for someone to hit the button on that so I can go out and buy Virtuaverse, a game that Master Boot Record did the soundtrack for, just so I can gush about it for a while. <laughs> Strong argument. <laughs> so... The fact that this guy has done a number of game remixes as well, including this one, is pretty good. He's also got one of my favorite versions of Ken's theme from uh, Street Fighter, which is... Oh, you know, yeah, it's great as well. It's great. And those uh, super nice guitar sounds lend themselves very well to his style. It does. He's I got mean, a very unique guitar, uh, guitar pad going on, and it works really well. Um, especially I mean, for a song since... like this one, where you wouldn't think so? Yeah, and, and, and since we're talking Castlevania, I just want to point out, uh, those who end up enjoying the, the track we have on the playlist, do check out his other project, uh, Kijan Church, which uh, I remember describing to Galen once, to which he agreed, that uh, Kijan Church should be the soundtrack to the Doom mod that trans transformed the game into a, a 3D Castlevania. <laughs> which actually exists, by the way. Yes. Yep. Um, uh, I think one of the reasons that track is so inspiring is how universal it feels. It has uh, this amazing hook that sets up the gothic horror themes, mm -hmm. and then it goes full on energetic. It's a fight of uh, cool enemies versus cool heroes duking it out, and there's something kind of fundamental about that. Kind of like one of the base foundations of uh, what uh, video game mythology is. Right. Um. And uh, a bit annoyingly, all all of that, all of that uh, iconicism, let's say, is also present in Symphony of the Night, though almost no one knows about it. Because yeah, I know that soundtrack the, pretty well, and I don't recall that song showing up. Yeah, here's why. That track only appears, number one, in the Sega Saturn version. I which, knew it. There it is. Number, 
Number two, the Sega Saturn version is Japan only. Mm -hmm. And number three, it's the boss theme to one specific boss from the one new area present in the Saturn version. And that boss fight is apparently very easy, so you will usually not hear the entire version of the song. Yeah, which is a shame because, uh, I mean, the song is uh, always good, but version the guitar appears a bit in pain, but that's the limitations of the hardware. Yeah, I, um, I actually but didn't like version... this remix that much. Yeah. It's okay, but the piano line's really cool, but I agree, the main guitar is just not really there on it. Yes. But it's the version with a playable Maria. Yeah. Didn't, didn't they re-add her in the PSP version later? Do, is that confirmed? I don't know. I've never I played that one. I think so. No, I believe that was uh, for something like Bloodlines. The re-release and remake uh, calendar of Castlevania is uh, complicated to say the least. Boy howdy. I know she's playable in Portrait of Ruin as a partner to Richter. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm specifically talking about the Rondo of Blood and uh, Symphony duo game on the PSP. I, I thought they re-added her campaign. Possible, possible. Maybe not. But I haven't played that. that version. Same. Okay, so we might be talking out of our asses right now, and if so, I apologize, and that's my fault entirely. Anyway, moving on to the actual song again. It's fine. It's a it's an okay remix, but compared to <clears throat> compared to MBRs or compared to of all things the patchy slot version, and you're the one who turned us on to this one, Rana. Um, yeah. I don't think it goes uh, as strong another as version. Others. Another version I haven't played for very understandable version uh, yeah, reasons. Same. Um, um, I I basically pushed other versions of Bloody Tears because I wanted to talk about this version because it's annoyingly my favorite main game version of the theme i don't blame I you both utterly love and utterly despise this yeah oh it yeah goes no so hard for a cash grab yeah the song it's is unreal. great the reason yes. behind it is disgusting yeah exactly. it's like playing slots machine while yeah. listening to master boot record yeah yeah it's barely more contained than that, and that's saying something. It goes so hard. I guess one of the reasons is that it uh, doesn't really have to uh, care about pacing besides how hard can you mash the give more money yeah. button. And then there's this new harmony line that's really good, and a piano yes. solo in there, and it's just incredibly epic all around. Like, what the hell is this song? Put it in a real game! Yeah, and the rest of the soundtrack is also incredibly good. I thought I came basically in this uh, research arc with the thesis that the definitive version of most Castlevania themes that are iconic throughout the ages is the Castlevania Judgment one. And we will have some Castlevania Judgment we do. after that. But uh, no, there's a new challenger, and it's there to drain your wallet if you are a 30-year-old chain-smoking Japanese salaryman. I'm Thanks, Mother Day Konami. Yes, loving Castlevania is having to reckon with the pain of uh, what its company is these days. Yeah, uh... It does not belong in this world, like the intro said. Correct. <laughs> uh, 
Hmm. I think life would be better off if Konami just imploded and its licensing went elsewhere. Correct. Um, like, and a sort of evil antagonist scattering its, let's say, five relics to a different corner of a game map. Uh, Wait, no, that's the plot of Castlevania 2. It's also part, half of the plot of uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, if we're talking about the... Uh, we're talking about the the inverse Yeah, castles. because it reference Castlevania 2. Fair enough, but I played more Symphony than 2, so that's the one I think about. That's also that's also the plot of uh, Harmony of Dissonance, because it also references... Uh, actually, it, it, it references Symphony of the Night, which references Castlevania 2. It goes in I circles, think... is what we're saying. Um, yeah, and that's not even counting the circle of the moon. Haha. <laughs> but... Uh, I think we are, uh, all jokes aside, uh, to an important point is that this music, some of these themes, bloody tears first and foremost, settle themselves in our psyche, in the landscape of video game, in large part, I believe, because that series pays homage to itself and references itself so much, which means you can adjust the angle of uh, this or that track until you reach a point that's uh, relevant to what uh, the successive hardwares can bring. And, right. Uh, basically, it provides some sort of continuous self-fan service. Which has its ups and downs, but I mean, FF14's entire soundtrack seems to be based on that sometimes, so I yeah, get exactly. it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. And uh, it would be a definite, definite uh, knockdown if it meant it stifled innovation, but it clearly didn't. Yeah, at least until Kanabi just gave up. But that's what we yeah, have Bloodstained exactly. for. Exactly. Which we are not going to talk about today. As much as I made the argument that Bloodstained is an actual Castlevania game in all but name, we've decided we're going to stick with the, the games with the actual Castlevania word in the title. That way we can keep that episode under three hours. Yes, fair. Um, and on that subject, we should probably move on. Then let's move on to uh, Beyond the Ness era, uh, from which these uh, two previous tracks originated, and to uh, Super Castlevania 4, which narratively is, is a Castlevania 1 remake. Some things just don't change. Yep, but it's about a dozen remakes of the first Castlevania because Konami was already showing signs of what they are all about even back then. Oh yeah, but Super Castlevania 4 has a special place in my heart. It, I hate playing games multiple times, but uh, this one is probably the only one I've cleared like six, seven times or something. Wow. I, yeah, there was a period of my life where every year I was like, huh, sure, I'll finish Castlevania 4 today. And then I did and became good enough at it to not need any continue. No nice. Less. Yeah, thank you. Pretty proud achievement, if I do say so myself. And uh, basically the game is uh, separated between two sections. The outside of the castle which has more ambient tracks and the inner version of the castle 
which has more referential tracks, tracks from previous game, more iconic ones. And uh, the transition between those two is marked by a couple of levels. One which is complete silence, which is the outside court uh, that leads to uh, the uh, drawbridge. Right. And then there is the uh, entryway with uh, all the dancers, mm -hmm. and once you reach the upper floors, the swinging chandeliers. A wonderful demonstration of Mode 7, uh, the swinging chandeliers were platforms that moved and hated you. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Mode 7 plus Super Nintendo Physics equals to want to strangle somebody. Now, one of the interesting things about Mode 7 is that because it works by essentially making the background layer tilt around, uh, what this meant is that the actual background, besides the chandeliers themselves, had to be more barren. I believe it's just black and red flashing lights, essentially. But that, plus the swinging sounds repeatedly, plus uh, the music, created this very tense atmosphere that uh, was uh, just grandiose, like... Uh, Swinging on chandeliers is a classic swashbuckling trope as well. Right. And this kind of applies that with the more gothic horror theming of Castlevania. Which works because Castlevania is largely an adventure series. Yes. Um, and the, the hook is incredible again. Yeah, no. Um, honestly, with this song, like, I... I don't hate it, don't get me wrong, but this one doesn't hit me quite the same way. I like the OC Remix version a lot. There's no secret version no. of this song. It's very good. Um, I will say this sounds yes, very yes. SNES. Like, I noticed very similar instrumentation yes. to Breath of Fire 1. Like, that was yes. the vibe it gave me pretty much immediately. Uh, this isn't my favorite Castlevania song. I like it, but I probably wouldn't give this one as much thought as someone who, you know, clearly is way more into that particular game than I am. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's not even my favorite in the game, but it's a very... Uh, impactful one and yeah. i believe my actual favorite one in the game i have talked about it in a previous episode because how could we have lasted 35 music arcade episodes without talking about some of the best of favorite tracks from castlevania games before i have a we song on have. my list today spoiler that i'm pretty sure we have talked about before judging by my search yes. history so you yes. know that's just going to happen sometimes I had to hold back so much to not repeat myself because I, <laughs> as the uh, resident goth here, have brought up Castlevania so many times before. Congratulations on, your, on not putting Tragic Prince once again. <laughs> I'm honestly surprised we I, didn't get in there, but, you know. I, yeah. I'm more surprised I didn't bring up uh, Dance of Chaos because that's my favorite. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah, um, as far as bus themes go, I'm blue intense on time bad either. That was a boss theme? Oh, am I actually confusing it with... Uh... The mental picture I have is outdoor platforming. I think Iron Blue Intention was just a stage theme because they reused it in Portrait of Ruin as a stage theme. 
It's a something- well, if it's a stage-themed Portrait of Ruin, then at least I'm right that it's a stage theme somewhere, so maybe it is a boss yes. theme too. I don't know. Iron Blue Intention's a cool song. That one's- that one's one of those songs that I put in the category of, like, honestly about half a Street Fighter II soundtrack. Like, it's not a theme that I think people know, like, off the top of their heads, but you start humming it and people are going to recognize it immediately, right? Am I am yeah, I wrong it, in that estimation? You are not. It, it's also, it began in Castlevania Bloodlines. Yep. And I even need a music uh, level theme. It's it's one of those tracks that uh, you think they didn't stick in your mind, but then you you hear the first few notes and everything comes through. Mm -hmm. yes. The entire melody comes playing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things that stands out the most to me is in relation to the composer, because uh, the previous track have uh, been composed by what's a lot of internal Konami uh, music team that uh, uh, I've looked a little bit in some of the individual composers, and save for one, which works these days on Grand Blue Fantasy, most of them have only worked on Konami titles. And okay. Of course, I believe they were together. They were referred to as the Konami Kukeha Club or something like yes. that. Yes. And uh, there is one particular standout that uh, moved uh, beyond that, which is, of course, Michiru Yamane, the name right. probably most solidly associated with uh, uh, the Castlevania soundtrack these days. And I would argue right now that yeah, I imagine most people think she entered the Castlevania franchise with Soden. Uh, at least I very much did until doing research for this episode. Yeah. And learned that she was on Bloodlines, which kind of makes sense because it's a much more ambience-heavy soundtrack than the previous ones, despite still being very action. Iron Blue Intention does Especially sound like her vibe. Maybe, maybe she wasn't the direct composer of this one. I don't know off the top of my head, but it definitely sounds like her influence is present here. Yeah, and uh, that's what I wanted to lead to, that in spite of uh, Michiru Yamane being more known for a more atmospheric, yet still dynamic style, this feels very much like an arcade-style track. It draws you forward along a linear path. You know, it's weird. You say she's known for atmospheric, but all about... I mean, shocker of all shockers, this is my brain talking. The most iconic songs that I think of her have been very, very melodic. Mm, I suppose I'll clarify my intention when once we'll come a bit further in uh, one of the tracks in the future. Fair enough. But yeah, we we were talking uh, Iron Blue Intention, and uh, I decided to be the uh, little imp that I'm uh, that I often am. Oh dear! And I br brought up uh, an arrangement from. Uh, a series of albums that Konami released in the 90s, and this one has a bit of a history to the guy behind it. Uh, the album was called uh, uh, Perfect Selection Dracula Battle 2, because yes, there's a one. I'm sure. Oh, yes, second there album. is. The two I've listened just... to the one a lot. Yeah, the these two, uh, just for context, they released, Konami released a lot of arrangement albums in various styles. These two in particular are hard rock slash heavy metal 
uh, versions of Castlevania songs. And the guy arranging these tracks is, uh, was uh, Naoto Shibata, who metal fans might be aware of as the bassist for the band's anthem. Uh, can and you we record that, please? Just a sec, the bike's still here. Yeah. And the arranger for these two albums uh, is a guy who is known as uh, Naoto Shibata, who metal fans might be aware of as the bassist, or at least former bassist in one case, for the band's Anthem and Loudness, which are two of the biggest metal bands to come from Japan. Sweet. Okay. Yeah, I know, like, the... The Castlevania music is a centerpiece for a reason, and uh, again, the fact that uh, Konami has released uh, so many of those arranged albums, it may be uh, self-referential in a lot of ways, but also they understood at the time the value of the game soundtrack, the value mm -hmm. of uh, pleasing the fans in these ways. Which is yeah, and I I do appreciate this discovery quite a bit, uh, in part for uh, in great part uh, because of that. Uh, I now that I, I've had to listen to it back to back, uh, it, it in the original back to back for the episode, I cannot tell which one I prefer. But uh, I used to prefer this discovery because I was a rebel teenager, I guess. I gotta be honest, uh, but, I do uh, like this version, but I, I got vibe on the original. I don't think the melody line is as strong in this version. Yeah, this this uh, version, I actually like it a lot. Uh, it feels... Uh, how to say it? Actually, no, I have the perfect comparison point. The original feels like... Imagine, no, picture in your mind's eye the walk cycle for Alucard. Which okay. is live with those trails trailing him. Yeah. Very quick on his foot. Uh, that's the original Iron Blue intention. And the this one from the Dracula Battle 2 is much more of the Simon Belmont walk cycle, which is very heavy, going and almost kicking the ground at every step. Very grounded and... Uh, very fearful of stairs. Very fearful of stairs, indeed. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I can see why this song would be fearful of stairs. I, I get it. Yes, exactly. Okay. You know what? That I we're gonna make it. We're gonna make that stairs joke uh, a lot this episode, aren't we? Probably. Although they become a bit less relevant as the games evolve. Yes. Thankfully. Once you start getting things like double jump and and high jump and and. In one case, turn the castle upside down. Wait, that that one's not legal. Sorry for bringing it up. Um, <laughs> stairs become less of a problem. Yes. Um, you know what's always a problem? Clock towers. I don't know if clockwork oh, yeah. has anything to do with clock towers, but it's clockwork. It does. It was the clock tower theme from Castlevania Three originally. Oh, there we go. Yeah, and uh, it's also the uh, Clock Tower Arena from Castlevania Judgment, which is this version. Right, that's the version I'm more familiar with, because despite having not really played Judgment for very long, uh, the soundtrack is good. 
is really good. Yes, it's good. I've played Judgment actually, so I speak to uh, to it in experience. I've suffered through Judgment. Oh dear. I, I have no interest in the game. I absolutely good. hate the character designs, but I love the soundtrack. Yeah, no, the character design was atrocious. Dude, I, I just I just love to make fun of how uh, Alucard's cape seems to have uh, s uh, sofa stuffing on the inside. <laughs> yes. Sofa stuffing? Wait, I... Oh, I can't see that now. Oh, no, what have you done to my yeah, poor no. head? And how dare uh, you? trust me when I say that... Basically, the music stands at the top for this game. Then is the gameplay in second place and then is the character design and under the character design still is my opinions on the game scenario that bad huh there is an entire uh, i mean maria's uh quest line is about breast envy i'm scowling very hard right now oh yeah uh, uh, but the music is uh, essentially the solidified, iconic versions of a lot of the track until Smash Bros and uh, the Pachinko games came along. <laughs> aye, uh, aye, aye. But we, but with the addition, of course, of a certain pace because it's a fighting game still. Yup. And that involves a certain. Adjusting for a certain length and for a certain playstyle and a certain intensity that the game itself doesn't always matches, but uh, still. And why uh, a lot of uh, what uh, this track, uh, well, what this series provides is, uh, like we said, gothic horror, this track stands out to me as uh, peak baroque musical aesthetics. Um. I mean, instrumentalization-wise, sure, but composition? It's more carnival music than anything else, by the, from what I'm hearing. Fair, fair. I suppose by Baroque, what I mean is to express the general fanciness of it, the general interesting... Uh, making nothing simple. Yeah. Which suits the clock tower being this chaotic mess and tangle of cogs and spikes. Uh, it wouldn't be a clock tower if it wasn't a chaotic mess of something. Exactly. Usually gears and harpies, but... Oh, and Medusa heads, yes. let's not forget that. Medusa heads, yep. yes. But, uh... The pain. The pain. <laughs> the um, first time I got into the clock tower in Sodom wasn't fun. This is a very bouncy song. That was song. the first game I ever got to the clock tower. I yes. I think the song is very bouncy. It's 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 got an energy to it, but it doesn't really feel tense at all. It's very chipper. It's a yes, chipper song. Exactly. And uh, being clockwork theme, you'd imagine something very regular throughout, and though it keeps it pace, of course, it only really pays attention to it during the intermissions and goes wild and crazy, almost mimicking somebody that is panicking and jumping and running for his life in between the few platforms of relative safety. 
yeah this song isn't uh it isn't giving you the vibe for the stage it's giving the vibe for what you are about to do in the stage exactly it's uh, a like, wonderful integration of uh, gameplay and it goes to the point where in judgment uh the arena is actually three cogs that constantly move and sometimes oh can crush you or throw you into the void because even in fighting games gravity is still your enemy it's a castlevania oh game it wouldn't be a castlevania game if gravity wasn't your enemy exactly and galen was mentioning earlier how this uh composition of this track gives a bit of a carnival vibe uh i'm inclined to agree you are pretty much the clown in this carnival I, <laughs> I mean if you're playing well, judgment something is definitely funny about your life right now <laughs> sorry I, I don't think we can uh, pick that let's move on to the next track I mean okay fine well I had a transition for it anyway and I'm just gonna do it anyway I mean oh, I have no place okay. to judge you know anyone who enjoys judgment because I'm about to try to defend Castlevania 64 wish me luck Hey, you're amidst friends here. Um, Castlevania, especially Legacy of Darkness, is actually, like, really underrated. Um, yes, it's got janky N64 physics, but so does Goldeneye. Uh, so I'm not really sure why that makes it so much worse. I can't believe the Switch port is going to be the exclusive version with online play. Wait, what? Hang on. No one told me about this. What? Uh, GoldenEye will be re-released on uh, many platforms, including, uh, say, Xbox Game Pass. Oh. And, uh, and it will also be part of the Switch uh, N64 emulation, which will be a similar version, but also with online play. Oh, wow, that's good. Uh, anyway, yeah. sorry, that was a bit distracting. Um... I actually, I, I'm going to be honest, I am a big fan of the franchise, however, Castlevania 64 was actually my first Castlevania game. Oh. Um. It's such an interesting entry, it's it probably, is. Fr from the ones I've played, the one with the best atmosphere. It got atmosphere down, and it also doesn't mind being wacky. Um, yes. So it isn't taking itself too seriously, like, like, uh... Lords of Shadow like did. Like any game with uh, skeleton bikers would. Right? Oh, yeah, the skeleton bikers and the Frankenstein with the chainsaw, and it's just got this vibe yes. to it that's really no, hard but, to... We but, were talking uh, how uh, Castlevania was pretty much the universal horror movies. Uh -huh. This is Castlevania going to the Hammer horror movies. Which mm. is awesome! Yeah! Uh, if I may briefly reignite uh, uh, trauma before we get back to the music. Uh oh. Nitro transport. Oh. oh okay, fair. <laughs> fair. That sequence was not my favorite. Uh, there were tricks to get around it, but like, yikes. Yes. If that yes. sequence is anyone's favorite, I don't want to meet that person. Right? Okay, if you, if you don't know. It's a long sequence where you have to do like a third of the length of a level by carrying nature, which makes you relatively defenseless and you have to platform amidst moving parts, narrow beams, 
and a lot of ways and if you get hit or fall any single uh, length the nitro you are transporting explodes in your face and you instantly die right if i recall correctly that also means you cannot jump in a platform action game exactly correct However, to be clear, there are ways around this. There is a shortcut you can open and a mini-boss you can kill before you even get it. It's technically the long way around, but it's infinitely safer. Um, otherwise, yeah. you have to fight a mini-boss with the nitro. Yikes. That Fun. is bad. Um, that said, I also think the soundtrack, despite being entirely... Uh, entirely atmospheric is actually like really underrated and this song which actually does play during the nitro sequence castle center is exactly what it sounds like it's the castle center and it's got yes. vibe it's got vibe it i will defend vibe. this song um really cool melody line really cool harmony line random act of a bridge that sounds not unlike Donkey Kong for some reason. Still not sure why that's there, but that sounds pretty cool. Ooh. I'm afraid of re-listening to the track now because I am afraid I will never be able to unhear that. <laughs> well, that's actually a good point. My point of comparison was actually the torture chamber from Super Castlevania 4. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, which has uh, these... Uh, drum line of well i was with some heavier sounds uh, uh longer sounds as well i was thinking that. more the marimba section on the bridge yeah that that's like very donkey kong to me yes um definitely but uh i mean it it kind of goes to show that even the creators of castlevania 64 really did have like a lot of faith in this song because it was used for the main credits theme as well. This was the end credits. Yeah. So it's, uh, I think essentially, uh, well, the, uh, series in, uh, Japanese is named the uh, Akumajo Dracula. Right. And centers on the antagonist. While the, uh, a Western version is named Castlevania and centers around the place. I'd say that Castlevania 64 and its soundtrack is the first that truly mainly centers around the place and gives it kind of a sort of reverence. It does. Um, and that's clear pretty much I'd, throughout. And I'd say it's kind of a bit of both because I, I feel like it's... Uh, the, these two games have uh, a sound uh, combined soundtrack, let's say, that's pretty good at uh, sort of building a sense of anticipation for what you're about to face. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, and these games, I I might be misremembering a bit, but if I recall correctly, the plot of the games, Dracula is kind of always nearby. Yeah. You just don't realize it's This him. actually has, like, one of the most developed versions of Dracula, one of the most developed villains in the game, and I think that also comes through on the soundtrack. Yeah. And also potentially one of the most anime ver versions of Dracula. I mean, you're not wrong, but come on, who cares? <laughs> I know, but it had to be said. Okay, fair. 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 No, I, I have a, a sneaky amount of love for 
for Castlevania 64. I think it gets a bad rap from people who just want the series to be 2D, and I'm going to be getting back into that later, because, hey, guess what? I'm going to talk about more 3D stuff later, too. And I'm not and going you know to... What? I respect your Castlevania 64 love. Yeah, I'm not going to if try to say it's... Of... Go on. Yeah, no. Uh, if only because of the strength of its opening theme. So that violin, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not going to try to say that the Castlevania 64 games are better than a lot of the 2D games. I mean, Soten's kind of the gold standard for a reason. Uh, and then Castlevania 3, I believe, is the gold standard for the 2D uh, platforming uh, stage-based era. But, like, I, I, I think the amount of hate that gets piled on it is deeply unfair. And I kind of hope fans would yeah. give it another shot. Yeah, like, they were still finding their footing. And uh, I think they learned a lot from the more unfair and tricky parts of uh, this game. And, of course, from the general knowledge of what a 3D platformer's control scheme would be. Right, especially with a N64 and controller, which is a travesty of a device. Exactly. And we're also talking about a time where, uh, especially due to the graphical limitations of the Nintendo 64, pretty much every game had trouble finding an, an ambience, and when they did find an ambience for their games, it was us usually kind of drab because they had to add that uh, gray fog to obscure the fact that the 64 couldn't draw that many polygons. Yeah. Meanwhile, Castlevania 64 has a lot of variety. Mm -hmm. A surprising amount of variety in its yeah, it, scenery. It takes those limitations and rolls very well. Yeah. Like we said, atmosphere top-notch. Yeah, absolutely. Um... Yeah, I, I think I'm done trying to kind of wave my flag for this game. Uh, I do recommend that if people like this song and like this soundtrack, give it a shot. Just try it with a fresh frame of mind and understand that and it's... And a lot of patience. And a lot of patience. I understand this game is jank on jank. It is old. It is a 64 launch title. It is jank. Try to find... Oh, you know what? If you... If you try and you can't tolerate the control or anything like that, find an uncommented playthrough. Yeah. Yeah. Try to see why I think it gets a bad rap. I, I, I hope y'all can discover some love for it like I have. Let's move on, I think. Another thing that uh, really sets up a mood. Yes, Requiem. Um, I uh, failed to write down what game this was from in my notes and feel like a jerk now. Circle of the Moon. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we, we are talking about uh, setting the ambience, and I mentioned the uh, graphical limitations of Nintendo 64. Here's a song that, uh, it's very simple, but it kind of surprises me in how you don't feel the limitations of the hardware it was in, right. considering it has... Pretty lifelike vocal lines in the GBA title. Right. Yeah. The rather early GBA title at that. Yeah, yes. I'm very impressed by these vocal pads. Yeah, the the actual song is pretty much just a repetition of a traditional... Uh, I believe it's Christian, uh, Christian chant. Uh, if I recall correctly, the words Kyrie eleison means uh, Lord have mercy, or something along those lines. 
Yeah, and it uh, it's just a repetition of those two words over and over and pretty much the same melody all the time. But it sounds like an actual recording and I could be tricked into believing it just played straight from a CD like that or straight from Spotify for those young'uns in the audience. Yeah, musically Circle of the Moon was uh, plain impressive. Yeah, it really did something that... with the GBA hardware that's very hard yes. to do on a device that, you know, I don't want to say weak, but let's um let's call a spade a spade here, a device that uh unrefined. Yeah, and uh it uh it was uh, so hard to pull off that the next game Harmony of Dissonance uh, was more dissonance than harmony. And they had to uh, downgrade the music a lot in order to make the graphics way better. And uh, the these two games are essentially uh, what do we sacrifice? Sound quality or graphics quality? And then Aria of Sorrow came and made everything better. Yes. But we'll come back to that. Yes, I we think will. Harmony of Dissonance was the first and maybe the only game I've ever had to mute while playing. Ouch! But Well, that is about yeah. as hard an indictment on a Castlevania game as you can get. Yeah. Meanwhile, Circle of the Moon was a game where I didn't enjoy the gameplay loop very much, but my god, the soundtrack. I think we could definitely file it under underrated. Yeah, I think most people kind of look down on it because uh, as soon as Koji Garashi came into it, he went, nope, not canon, the next one is going to be canon. <laughs> so people just go, okay, doesn't matter then. Yeah, but, it's, but it's a nice game. they fiddle with it in so many ways and it got weird and then they removed from canon like three quarters of the game and then they walked back and say okay we just remove a v4 because we can't have the starter of the belmont line be a female character from a game boy game but that's besides the point i'm they did weird things with the timeline they did sonia belmont dirty they did but i'm just going to go ahead and say and again i'm bringing up something technically illegal I'm glad Igarashi got his head out of his ass eventually, because now we have, if not Shinoa, then definitely Miriam. Yes. So, he's totally cool with that now. 20 years ago, not so much, but hey, people grow, people change, and I'm glad he did. Although I believe a lot of the canon fiddling was around the time of Lament of Innocence, which we'll come back to very soon yes this is an episode where we we come back many times we we kind of walk in circles but it, it, we'll get there well admittedly so does, so does castlevania i was literally saying exactly that yeah castlevania has yeah. its own circles and not just moon related ones so exactly. the fact that hey. we're talking about things in that kind of same point kind of illustrates just how these soundtracks work that they are very connected to both what's going on at the time and what happened before and what will come later. Um, it is in the Castlevania way, we could say. Uh, can I transition? Please. Go on. But uh, the 
these uh, circular uh, going around makes it seem like there's uh, uh, the games are inter interchangeable and then not there are some real strong landmarks and I think if we have to uh, point at one main turning point for the entire series and maybe the entire genre of platforming uh, that would not even be the switch to 3D like so many other series, but uh, Symphony of the Night. I mean, this is the all-time classic of the Castlevania series. It's the one yeah, that I uh, think most lay people just think of when they think Castlevania, and for good reason, it's a damn good game. Exactly. I mean, not just Castlevania, like, we have the Metroidvania genre, and yes, Metroid created it, but Symphony of the Night was the codifier. Uh, yes. It's the reason uh, the genre has Vamia in the name. I exactly. I mean, yes, I would agree with that, but I would say Super Metroid is just as influential. But that's that's now we're getting yes, into yes. game history that is probably not as relevant. Um, and we talked earlier about setting the scene, and um, man, it is it is about as good of a scene set as you can get with Dracula's Castle, isn't it? Like that just yeah, exactly. sells the premise. Uh, we also talked about how uh, there were more atmospheric track. This manages to kind of straddle la the line between pretty much all non-music, non-boss music Castlevania themes. It reflects the uh, atmosphere of the places around uh, with this uh, uh, castle theme that uh, reflects the. Uh, the prestige of the place, it reflects mm -hmm. also with its darker tones compared to the more heroic uh, tracks of previous games, the uh, differences in tone between the characters of the Belmonts and the Lacard uh, of uh, games before, and Alucard, which has very personal stakes in this. He comes with this castle with an iron will and determination, yet he is facing ultimately entities he is intimately familiar with. Yep. I I would even argue that the this track in particular uh, compared both to previous soundtracks and to the other songs in this the same game also shows uh, a sense of sort of familiarity because uh, a lot of this soundtrack is either very gothic yeah. so it's sort of representing you know the, the darkness of the place or maybe the villainy of the bosses like uh, Dance of Pales and Orox Quarters uh, or it's pretty action-packed for more action-heavy sections like in the Clock Tower yes. meanwhile th this song is more uh, relaxed, though not to the point of being ambient. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so it, it uh, in contrast with those other tracks, uh, Dracula's Castle kind of comes off with a bit of a, a homeliness, let's say, uh, vibe, uh, as far as you can get homely in a gothic setting. Right. Which I think reflects how Alucard is pretty much the only person in the world other than Dracula who would feel a sense of homeliness in Dracula's castle. 
to the point where Maria in the plot is complaining about the castle being chaotic and Alucard is completely nonchalant. Yeah, and I think there's something to be said about the strength of this theme as a mix of locational and personal theme that, to mention Judgment again, this was uh, the stage theme for Alucard. Makes sense. Yeah, and uh, it has enough uh, mastery and ambience to say it almost has this atmospheric-like relaxation and this rhythmicity, this energy, to be able to be slightly tweaked in order to fit a fighting game perfectly. This is less of a compromise and more of a perfect lightning in a bottle level middle. And I think that really works in its favor, because it also kind of sells the feel of the game itself in a lot of ways, because it doesn't play yeah. like prior Castlevanias did. Um, and I think the more relaxed feel actually really kind of helps, because if it goes as hard as some of the other ones, you'd be more, like, encouraged to rush, and I don't really think rush gameplay works for, um, Symphony of the Night, and I think the soundtrack bears that out in a lot of, in a lot of ways. Exactly, because there's a lot of place you're going to have to revisit. Right. I mean, to, to kind of bring back my point about the familiarity of the, the setting for Alucard, it eventually gets familiar for us as well, because we're constantly doing backtracking, so uh, eventually the map feels familiar to us. Yes, right, very much so. Especially once it literally just gets turned upside down and becomes an excuse for the second half of the game. <laughs> I will say I never found the music in the Inverted Castle to be all that good. Like, I like it, but it's it, not what happened to the first half. It's, most it's a bit too repetitive. It, a little bit, yeah. I would have liked to have heard a little more variation. Yes. Um, but uh, to uh, kind of draw the curtain briefly, uh, we had most of the other tracks selected, and then when we looked at the uh, selection, there's a lot of diversity, but we had to add this track last minute because it didn't make sense to have an episode without an iconic Symphony of the Night track such as this one because it's such a turning point for the series. Right, and if we were trying to challenge ourselves, like, hey, let's talk about Castlevania without talking about the big famous songs, that'd be one thing. Yeah, that would work. But that's not what we were trying to do here. No. So, it's good we added this one, and it's good we got a chance to talk about it, and it's good we got a chance to show off why it works, and why it matters, and why it's important. Um, which does bring me to another question, because the next one is called Hail to the Past, and um, I have no idea what game this is from, and the uh, YouTube video is just Moon Runes. Ah. It's just in Japanese. I can't read this. What is this from? I could tell you without remembering having heard this track specifically, simply from context clues. But I'm not the one that selected this track, so Eddie, the ground is yours. Yeah, um, and I think I'll start with a slight correction, because it's Hail from the past. And it's from Portrait of Ruin. Aha! Uh, I never actually played Portrait of Ruin, so that makes sense. 
Yes. And that also explains why this song feels Egyptian, because Portrait of Ruin has a lot of portraits of completely unrelated places that you visit. And two of them, in fact, are inspired by ancient Egypt. And this is the theme to one of them. Essentially, what this game did is that it starts you in Dracula's castle and occasionally it says, how about you have a change of scenery and do a relatively linear level? Which tries yeah. to find an interesting middle point between all Castlevania and Metroidvanias. And, uh, yeah, no, uh, for this track specifically, uh, in uh, both versions, I really love the percussions that are cheaper, but also dragging you forward. And uh, the choice of instrument adds an oniric tone to it, on top of the whole Egyptian theme, which helps with uh, setting up this illusory uh, world inside of the painting. Yeah. yeah, and I... People who are particularly familiar with uh, my interests know that I love ancient Egypt stuff. Right. And uh, this this track, I, it's just instant instant earworm for me as soon as I listen to it again. I, I love the the ambience it creates, and it does create an ambience while keeping a sense of energy uh, that honestly fits really well with uh, your character's walking cycle. Like, you're walking to the beat of the song. Nice. Pretty cool. Love it when it comes together like that. Oh yeah, always. Um, I, again, having not played this game and having not heard this before really, um, it's got a really cool intro, and the marimbas, the use of marimbas of this song is actually, like, really good. Like, this one's got some real, like, compositional vibe to it. I, I kind of yeah. wish I heard it in context. Yeah, it's, it's, it basically feels going from the inside of the castle to this, like when you... Uh, leave a place with the AC and you walk into the sun blasting down on you. That's not wrong, but I, I, I don't... I live in a tropical country, I don't have very good experiences when that happens. That's fair. Well, at least it's not full of monsters. <laughs> Point. I'm I'm sure Jonathan had a, a worse experience than I did. <laughs> and Charlotte. It's a really cool way to show that you're going to a, a very different place. Yeah, and it's a nice way with the portraits to be able to travel around the world without facing some kind of difficult themes and uh, imagery because that's the game that's happening during the second world war i believe that's wow okay yeah and I... they use this uh, illusory world as a way to mix uh traveling around the world without having to actually travel around the world at war and thus making some very difficult designs. They it's actually pretty artfully navigated around. I 
I will say that I know it's kind of apples and oranges, but since we're talking about largely fun horror-based games, uh, I do kind of respect the Shadow Hearts series a lot for kind of being like, yes, World War One is an actual thing that's happening. Yes. So absolutely. On the one hand, I understand that design standpoint. On the other hand, it's like, yeah, it's a Castlevania game. Probably not the format for yeah. it. So I get, especially not on a Nintendo since the. Oh yeah, DS. no, Nintendo would. They probably would allow that, honestly. Like, let's just be honest here. But I think it was posed by Yoneta, but not by much. Man, years are hard. Um, especially when talking about Castlevania games. Yeah, like the the release schedule is about as convoluted as the in-game timeline. Yeah, no, time is confusing, so might as well get to the most recent Castlevania game. No, I'm not talking about Order of Ecclesia. That would be too optimistic. Mm -hmm. I am talking about the gacha game Grimoire of Soul that operated one year in, like, Canada and New Zealand before shutting down in the West. It actually still exists in the West, but it's now an Apple Arcade exclusive. Ah, yes. You have to pay for the Apple Arcade thing. And I think you have to pay for the game extra on top of that. Uh, no, I believe they tweaked uh, and completely uh, destroyed uh, the intended game balance because it can't rely on Whale to uh, get to success anymore, which means the pacing is absurd. And but it, the music and it's an Apple they, exclusive. Yeah, but the music is like, let's get Michiru Yamane to work her magic. And... The result is a lot of good remixes and a few cool original pieces like this one, which has this very... Uh, uh, it sets up the tone of uh, the tale of the uh, Belmont and Dracula's many resurrections throughout the ages. It's the second time I'll say this on this episode, but I utterly love and absolutely hate that this song exists. Yep. Um, For similar reasons to the Pachinko one. You know, I, I I really wanted to go back into our old show, Gathering of Gotchas, for a moment and, like, talk about <laughs> the what happened to this game, but I don't think that's going to be relevant. Um, and I haven't played it. Neither have I, but I have an I Apple Arcade. I definitely Ar would have if we... Uh, I have an Apple Arcade account, thanks to my cousin. I've never used it, but I'm tempted to, just to see what this game is. I didn't realize they stripped out the gotcha part. Yeah, I believe they did. I'm not 100% sure, however, I I have an Android phone. Yeah, the, the Castlevania Wiki says they did, so they probably did. That is. I imagine that must be some guidelines for being the Apple Arcade. That is wild. I will have to check that out. Um. Yeah. Anyway, where was I? Oh, right, the song. Cool intro theme. <laughs> yeah. Cool intro theme. Um. Very haunting. Very melancholy violin. Big intro. It works well. It's just it's a good theme. Probably deserves a better game, but it's a good theme. Yeah. Exactly. It's. Uh... And it has two halves to it, with the first part being mostly uh, mellow and uh, kind of looking back fondly of uh, heroes of the past mm -hmm. or future in the case of Soma. And uh, 
the second half is like, oh yeah, and remember there's this whole Castlevania thing, and sets up back the horror, brings it and kind of shakes it around a little for your enjoyment. That sounds very pejorative, but it is made smooth as butter because Michiru Yamane can do no wrong. She is really it, it, good. It's kind of, it's kind of that vibe of look at this ca these characters, they're so interesting and they're so innocent and they are nice people protecting the world. Why are they protecting us? What what was it that they were fighting? Oh yeah, vampire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a great track. Like, it's one of those where in earlier episodes you guys would definitely have said that's a me track because I I am all over this one. It does sound like it, a you it's track. Great. Yes. I just absolutely despise the fact that it's tied to a gacha game, <sighs> and I also think it's not available on Spotify. A former gacha game. Yeah, the fact that it's a former Still gacha counts. game is the thing that's really kind of like got me in a loop. <laughs> um, it to me still counts because that that means it's stuck on the Apple Arcade and I'm not an Apple user. I I will just yep. say this much. Um, I've come to grips with the fact that Gacha games have good music. Yeah, turns out there's a lot of them with a lot of good stuff. Yeah, and uh, actually uh, that kind of reminds me of uh, something I've. Uh, heard uh, uh, that I that was a complete blind spot in my video game knowledge until recently hmm. which was a live stream that showcased some plug-and-play uh, uh, right on TV games oh and uh, yeah and there were cheap licensed games they the content and the gameplay was terrible but a lot of them had actually amazing art and animations because they were 2D games and during the early uh, 3D era that these games were released in a lot of uh, excellent pixel artists and animators needed the work and so did good work which is how you have things like a Shrek plug-and-play game where <laughs> Fiona does sick air combos into wall bounces that look amazing. The sentence you just said is blowing my mind. I know it blew mine too. And my point I here, I should be surprised that Shrek came up in a Castlevania episode, but coming from you, I'm not. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment, gladly. <laughs> and uh, to return to my point, uh, I think that uh, gachas and mobile games can be an entry point for a lot of people. And uh, given that the bigger one tends to uh, uh, reference themselves or famous license, it can also be a great way to play on that nostalgia, which is, as we've established, one of the things Castlevania had done for like 20 years. If anything, I'm surprised they didn't have a gacha game five years before this one. They had that one um, Xbox Live game where you had to yes. pay for chapters. Not a gacha, but still like heading in that direction. 
Yes, the one with uh, the HD initials that isn't Harmony of Descent. Right. Harmony of Despair. Harmony of yeah, Despair. yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah. Yes. That Which... one also has some pretty cool uh, remixes like uh, Judgment, uh, just not to yeah, the exactly. same level. Exactly the same vibe, but right. not to that point because it doesn't have that fighting game uh, baggage attached to it. Um, anyway, you know what gives me the will to fight? Heart of Fire is what gives <laughs> me that will to fight. That was a hard transition. Well done. Thank you. Yeah. I, <laughs> I hope you didn't pull a muscle there. I didn't know how else I was going to pull it off. I, <laughs> sometimes you just need to take a swig and it works. Uh, the Sorrow Games yeah. were great. Yes. The Sorrow Games were great. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I like the Sorrow Games. All three of them. Yes, I'm going to keep bringing up Bloodstain just to spite people at this point. Um, but let's be honest, Ritual of the Night, essentially Sorrow 3. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all three of them um, have really good bigger. soundtracks. And, uh... Yes. Yeah, uh, this is a good L song. Like we said before that uh, there was uh, the GPA game with bad graphics and good soundtrack, and the one with good graphics and bad soundtrack. Mm -hmm. This one is both a great and then some. Mm -hmm. And then the sequel went uh, anime styles, but uh, that's another matter entirely. Uh, I didn't I mind how Heart of Fire. Yeah, but it did look different. It did. And uh, I picked Heart of Fire uh, because it's as far as I'm concerned, my favorite moment of uh, the whole series, maybe. And it's not necessarily a series that is strong on moments, uh, but that one definitely hits perfectly. Yeah. Because it's in the timeline one of the last game that was the last at the time of release, and then it got a sequel. But uh, it's just something that the series has done for a long time already. The fated duel between Dracula and a Belmont. Except you're playing Dracula. Yeah, that was probably one of the cooler ways of, like, kind of putting a spin on the series. Is like, alright, he's reincarnating. Which one is it? It's you. Yeah. And you get the fancy hair, and will you go full bad guy or no? And that's exactly what Jay is trying to determine mm -hmm. by fighting you. And so there's this perfect climactic big match feel of two people that want to uh, beat each other until an inch of their life to see I mean, who is the more worthy. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe this is also the first time in this game where you listen to a song from past Castlevanias. Uh, if I recall correctly, the other classic tracks that play in the game, like Vampire Killer, only play when you are playing as Julius Belmont. Yeah, no, I believe that's the case. I believe so. Also well, a good this one take. first released in... Uh, Castlevania 2, I mean, uh, Heart of Fire seems to have kind of fused with uh, Don't Go Into the Night, I believe, 
something like that and there's kind of an alternance between these uh, two tracks one of which debuted under this name on Castlevania the arcade version of all things <laughs> and uh, it's it may have happened a lot of time before but as far as I'm concerned and as far as the games that came after are concerned Heart of Fire became, thanks to this fight, Julius Belmont's theme which is a feat considering that he never had his own game Right! Um, which I'm still mad about, Konami I, I actually learned a couple weeks ago that uh, some Brazilian guys were trying to make a game about the uh, Report in 1999 battle where Julius is one of the playable characters. Yeah, that's but, uh, the I, dream game. I don't think the original plan uh, is coming along, so they're turning into a Castlevania 3 clone. Oh, Julius is no, one I see, I of see. four characters. Julius too strong. That's unfortunate. That's Fan games are hard. They're hard to navigate, yes. hard to deal with, and hard to make. And how to keep online. Boy, howdy. I heard that. But at least even though we didn't have the climax of the Castlevania series as a whole with Julius's game, we had this moment. And that's why it's important, because it provides a sort of conclusion. And then after that, the inner struggle with a Dracula scene of chaos, that's icing. Mm-hmm. The fight against somebody that uses the Holy Cross and the whip and the item crashes and dive kicks you in the face is the biggest, like I said, this big match conclusion and it sets my heart on fire. Ha 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 ha. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's a wonderful climax point to, frankly, a at that point, a real shot in the arm for the franchise, because I'm going to be honest, I kind of felt like Castlevania was in a bit of a slump before the Sorrow Games happened. Like, it's been a while since they had a real big, like, oomph of a game, and, uh... Yeah, because the 3D games were still uh, a little bit uh, dodgy mm -hmm. in places, they were still finding the voice, mm -hmm. and, uh, we've mentioned the issues of the two previous games that had to do a lot of sacrifices, mm -hmm. and then Ario Sorrow... Yeah, Harmony of Dissonance, in fact, felt like even Konami wasn't very confident in their own product, because it copies a lot of stuff from uh, Symphony of the Night. Yeah. So and it, it's trying desperately to recover that magic. And then Aria does it confidently. Which is good, because it needed it. And yeah, that is a... Yes. Even if it wasn't actually the end of the line, that was a pretty fitting end point for the franchise. If you're going to go out, go out on top, it wasn't actually the end. Uh, Sorrow got a sequel and then a reboot. Um, but, you know, they did also try to do the beginning. Um, yeah, Sony still got done dirty because Lament was a good game with a good soundtrack, but not as good as it should have been. Right? No, curious about what you're gonna say about that once we take the longer pull. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I will say that as transitions to 3D goes, I would make the serious argument that, uh... 
I would make serious argument that the Lament of Innocence is aged more poorly than Castlevania 64, because while Castlevania 64 was a product of its time, Lament of Innocence kind of was just riding a trend. Um, I can see that, I can see that. Yeah. Although I haven't played any of the PlayStation 3D Castlevania, which I suppose in itself is saying something. Yeah, um... I would, of the PlayStation ones, I would highly recommend uh, Curse of Darkness over Lament of Innocence, but Lament of Innocence does have yes. some pretty iconic themes, and uh, Leon's theme, the now new first Belmont ever since the Sonya, right? She got uh, yep. herself retconned out of existence. Yep. Um, so we end up with a pretty generic narrative with some unquestionably very good music. Yes, that theme is, uh, I mean, I believe Leon was a crusader, right? I think so? Yeah, because that has that uh, a feel of somebody that is fated to start a cycle of sorts. If I recall correctly, he was either a crusader, a crusader or uh, a templar who gave up. Uh, their title to save his wife. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And there's this very uh, noble aspect to it. Yeah. Very dignified. Um. And I, I gotta be honest, like, this, this particular game in the fandom is pretty much regarded as meh. And while this song is quite good... It doesn't really have the juice behind it that even something as more widely reviled as Castlevania 64 even has. Because if nothing else, that one's still, like, notable, if for how quote-unquote bad it is. I still don't think it's that bad, but we've covered this already. Um, but, uh, even then, imagine my surprise when I heard Discover today, in fact, or yesterday, I guess, there was a Smash remix of this exact song. Yes. Wow. Someone has faith in this game. Like, to be clear, I don't think Lament of Innocence is a bad game, but it isn't one I have any particular desire to return to. Uh, yeah, to uh, return very briefly to the Lament of Innocence version. Yes. Uh, I just wanted to say, and I feel I've said it about that piece before, and if it was this one, that means we've covered this track before, but that was a long time ago. Uh, I get uh, Chopin's uh, Etude Revolutionaire vibe to Oh, this, that, that does sound familiar. Maybe we have covered this before. I know, right? I don't think I brought it up before. Eddie? I did. I, I think did. it might have been for a different track that I brought, but I don't think I brought this one. Yeah, and if uh, I would have picked a track from Element of Innocence, it would have been mod via Aqueduct. It would be so really I, funny if our listeners discovers, discover that I, I, I hate to break it to you, but mod via Aqueduct is actually from Curse of Darkness. Oh. Shows how much I played <laughs> those games. <laughs> right? Um, yeah. we're, a, we're a well-informed bunch here. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to talk about the Smash remix just real quick. Uh, yes. It it works. Like, I'm actually surprised works at how good well. it is. Like, the original is still very good and sets the tone yeah. and really kind of stands for the character. But the Smash remix 
actually kind of does something really cool with it. It adds that like vocal line that really kind of works. It doesn't it doesn't over remix it, but still definitely sounds distinct. Yeah. I, there's a lot going on here it, that I greatly appreciate. It tweaks the pace more than change it, which given the change of genres, you'd think you'd need to do more. But no, they it uh, really applies less is more in that space to leave themselves room to add those uh, laments pun intended ha. um yeah i i, I think that's think a... i could do without the guitar though i i i get that the smash version needs more uh, a more of an action vibe to it because it's a fighting game but I, I do feel like it, it ends up losing a bit of the character in the transition. I mean, I get that, but that also kind of makes sense because I don't believe Leon is at all playable in Smash. He isn't, he isn't. He's just uh, Simon and Richter. And uh, yeah, that also makes sense because uh, it's a character theme and it's not used that way in that game. So the tweaks are made in in accordance to that right yeah i i get i perfectly get uh, why they did it this way and how whatnot it's just personal preference at, at the end of the no, day of uh, at the end of the day i prefer the the character of the original yeah and, that's uh, i valid. think i think uh, what's uh, cool about that uh, presence in smash is that it's a game that has nothing to do with the two featured characters, <laughs> but it's a way to uh, kind of present the music of games that not necessarily many people have played, which is why I believe this arrangement is also much more conservative than, say, uh, that uh, Vega theme that was amazing, <laughs> to take a Street Fighter example. I think beyond that, it also serves serves a purpose uh, that is kind of needed in a in a, a a game that mashes uh, a lot of franchises like uh, Smash Bros, where it paints a picture of the franchise as a whole. Because yeah. you do have Simon's theme, and you do have, I think, beginnings for uh, or maybe Divine Bloodlines for Richter and, and so on. But then you have this uh, theme, which is the theme of the Patriarch of the Belmont clan. Like, it, it's painting a picture of the entire clan, and the history of the clan is, is the his history of the franchise. So yeah, exactly. it has, has that purpose as well. Yeah, that origin part. Which I appreciate. Even for beginning, it's also in. Um, This is also one of the most, like, piano-heavy of the main themes, for better or worse. Um, I like that there's a lot of piano, but I like a lot of piano. Um, I do have a bit of a complaint about that, but well, we'll get more into it in the next track. Okay. Well, why not just dive right into it then? Alright. Um, because my complaint that's even more apparent with Anti-Soul Mysteries Lab is that, uh... The fact that it's chronologically the first game in the storyline uh, does place it in like uh, 1094, mm -hmm. 
and there's a lot of more modern sounds on that. Nothing more visible, of course, than the Super Mad Science Experiment room. I mean, yes, but also at the same time, like, this is Castlevania. They've never worried about that sort of thing before. Again, Castlevania 64 featured a motorcycle, a sidecar, and a minigun. Yes, of course. But there's uh, still a bit of a difference in tone between uh, a mad science lab uh, in the Middle Ages where you've got uh, bubbling cauldrons and strange devilish alchemy and one where you have an almost aliens adjacent sound. And I think Anti-Souls Mystery Lab crosses that line to me. I, um, I dig this song. I think Eddie made a very good pick here. Uh, it reminds me in no small way of Anegawa from Samurai Warriors. It is yet another tr another track for our list of songs uh, where I go, I don't like dance music, but here's a dance music that I, a dance song that I enjoy. Because this yeah, no, is pretty much dance, dance music. It's enjoyable, I just don't like it in this game. That's fair. I think I... it works well. I think... I, I I understand where where you come from, and I think there are other people that share share the opinion. Yeah, I think I, it, it works pretty well in the context, uh, especially if you actually play through the the zone. Though you might think the zone itself is, is oh a, probably. A bit, I a gotta place. be honest. I mean, that's just Lament's design scheme. All the zones are just <laughs> basically straight up corridors with like one or two rooms that actually have some interesting features in them. So. Yeah, and I think this this area, if I recall correctly, was the one with the biggest room with the interesting features, with it, which had some moving platforms, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the... either way though, it, it is it is a pretty energetic song in a in a soundtrack that is mostly pretty ambiance heavy, and uh, I think it was on our last uh, on last year's. Halloween special, let's say, <laughs> that I mentioned how there are uh, cyber goths, and this is pretty cyber goth adjacent. Yeah, it's cyber and it's goth. I yeah, I would agree with that. Um, but honestly, as much as uh, I'm not all too fond of uh, the Mercury Steam reboot series. They still provided what felt like a more compelling starting point than uh, Lament of Innocence did, from what I've seen of it. Wait, hold on. What you just said blew my mind. Did you just say Mercury Steam? Yeah. As of the guys who saved Metroid? Yeah. How do they get the Metroid part so right and the Vania part so wrong? And they got that wrong even in a 2D game. <laughs> because there were Mirror Fate, I believe, which was a DS 2D game. Huh. Wow. I guess they're just better at Metroid. I, I guess that's just yeah, where I we're at. Yeah, I guess so. Because, like, I will defend Metroid Dread to my dying breath, but hearing that Mercury's team, and you're right, now that triggered it in my head, they did do Lords of Shadow, and that's just very baffling to me, because I despise the Lords of Shadow games. I wonder if the Lords of Shadow stuff is more, uh, 
franchising because it was very much God of War. It was yes, very much God of War. Or it was absolutely it was God more, yeah, yeah. But uh, what I'm wondering is where, whether the fault lies more there, or yeah. more with Kojima being uh, the head of this sub franchise, and maybe there were too many yes men around him. I I don't think I can really blame Kojima for the for my opinion of the failures of that game. None of the things that made the game not work really felt like they were his earmarks. Honestly, if the failures of uh, that uh, uh, those games uh, meant uh, they gave them the lessons to learn to make what Metroid Dread was, I'm almost okay with those sacrifices. Oh, I mean, sure. No, no, because I... I still need my 1999 game closure. I do. I That needs to happen at some point or another. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a right way and a wrong way to do a 3D Castlevania, or a 3D exploration game of any kind. Honestly, Dark Souls is the one that finally perfected the 3D Metroidvania formula for all the wrong reasons, but it did. 100% agreed. Um... It got the map right and the gameplay wrong. I, I don't really love the Souls games, mostly because they feel just so slow! But, uh... Um, yeah, they do, but as far as the navigation goes... The navigation's on point. perfect. Yeah. Especially the first Dark Souls. Oh, yeah. Um... I would also make my usual argument for Bloodborne being the exception to the rule. That's just good. Cool. Um... I, I guess my point is, like, I, I, the main reason I don't like Lords of Shadow is because, as he, as it was said, it's basically just God of War. That's not how I want my Castlevanias to play. Like, I have a God of War game. It's better than the game that you guys made, so why would I play this when I could just play that some more? Right? I have a God of War game. It's titled God of War. Exactly. I also have a Shadow of the Colossus game. Yeah. So, like, the fact uh, that... No, no amount of uh, narration by uh, Patrick Stewart can change that. Right? I will say, yeah, you know, Lords of Shadow, great cast. Patrick Stewart, Richard Madden, like, some really good people in that. Robert Carlyle, I think, was in that cast. Like, some good people. Um, That does not make a video game. In fact, that's that, yes. that's probably one of the one of the things that Kojima added that made it work. Like that was actually like a largely positive force. Um I think the most damning thing that I can say about the game is that the closest game I can think of that it in itself didn't inspire by so the closest thing that isn't Shadow of the Colossus of God of War that I can think of is uh, Dante's Inferno from EA. Which was also a ripoff of God of War, and Dante's Inferno exactly. was a terrible game. Yeah. That one goes on my, like, bottom games of all time list. I yeah, I know I'm rare in that I regard, can, but... The fact I can draw a line between the two is... Uh, is telling. And the yeah. fact that the only lo uh, track in this entire playlist we've uh, selected titled Lord of Shadow 
is actually the one from the Pachinko game. Oh. He's saying something. Here we go again. The strike just didn't really mark my memory. Yeah, it went from a franchise that, for better or for better or worse, set trends to one that was chasing them was a bad sign for the reboot. Yes. Um, to play devil's advocate a little here, I, I do think Lords of Shadow 2 has a bit of an underrated uh, soundtrack. Uh, I have brought uh, brought up you have one track from it before, um, and I do think uh, the composer did a good job, at least in Lords of Shadow 2. It I, is underrated, perhaps, but it is understated for sure. Yeah. Like, I believe it's a suitable track for the game. My issue is that the bar is Castlevania level. Right. We've just spent this whole time talking about the good music from Castlevania, even the underrated games. And then to turn around on this tangent on Lords of Shadow going like, I can't hum a single song from that soundtrack. I can't remember them. That's a terrifying sign. When even like the most obscure 3D Castlevania game, Curse of Darkness, has actually probably my favorite soundtrack in the entire franchise? Of a franchise this stacked? What the hell? That much, huh? Oh, man. Like... So I, I will say that uh, from what I can tell from what I've listened uh, to uh, set up a baseline, I think it does a better job than Symphony of the Night, by being more focused on it, of presenting and representing the castle itself. Oh yeah, uh, the opening stage to. Uh Curse of Darkness is called Abandoned Castle, and according to my search history, I've talked about this before. But, um, I will die on this particular hill. That song needs to be alongside Vampire Killer, Bloody Tears, and even Iron Blue Intention is some of the best this franchise has to offer. I need people to recognize this song. <laughs> it's hard to tell if you've uh, talked about it before, because the music... The moment you hear it, feels like you've heard it before. Yeah. It is definitely... It has a, this familiar feeling to yeah, it. Yeah, it's definitely a take on what's come before, but it's got an energy to it, unlike anything else this franchise in 2D or 3D has brought to the table. It does show off a more action-oriented uh, Castlevania, but that still has the exploration part to it, so it hasn't really abandoned that. Um... You know, I, I know that we're talking about level design isn't really helpful, but the level design is a lot better than it was in Lament of Innocence, despite being the direct follow-up to Lament of Innocence. Um, Honestly, that, that alone makes me glad that uh, the Castlevania animated series uh, make uh, Hector and Isaac uh, shine through. Oh, I didn't even know they were in that. They actually acknowledged Hector and Isaac? That's awesome. They do more than that. They are an integral part of uh, some of the seasons. And yeah, they have done a great job making them incredibly compelling. Yeah, um, that's awesome. I You've just given me one more reason to check out uh, the Castlevania show. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, I mean, I gotta be honest, the whole soundtrack is like this. Like, it's just yeah. banger after banger. Uh... Yeah, did you know Malvia Aqueduct is from this game and not Lament of Innocence? 
<laughs> yeah, it's the uh, third or fourth level. I forget. Wow. I say third or fourth level as in it's linear, but the opening kind of is. Like, you get back I to see, the exploration as you go on, but the first, like, few areas are pretty, like, in a row. Yeah. Um, well, and, uh, yeah, an abandoned castle just sets, again, we keep talking about this, it just sets the tone. It sets the tone for the game. It goes hard, it has a sense of wonderment to it, it does show the danger, and it just plain sounds great! Exactly. That, it's that keyboard it's breakdown on the uh, yeah. You first. No, go ahead. Go ahead. That keyboard breakdown on the bridge has got to be one of my favorite moments of any. It's up there with like the denouement of the uh, of Tragic Prince from Symphony. Yeah, like I don't know if any part of uh, that track goes harder than some of the staples to me, but. What makes it stand out is uh, how it's faultless. Fault it's like that I... thing that just yeah, it doesn't really have any f any criticism I can think of at all. Uh, contrary to Galen, I'm more inclined towards the Lament of Innocence soundtrack uh, in general. Okay, uh, but uh, as far as a, uh, a single track single song I, I do think this one is it's pretty good and it's on, on par with the the best tracks in the in the franchise definitely uh, I usually while playing uh, through uh, curse of darkness I usually had issues with like the synths I thought they didn't match too well with with the the rest of the the song I've heard cases. that complaint before but here it's here it's perfect I think it's it's very well very well composed in this in this particular case, and uh, each instrument serves a, a purpose and does it well. Um, yeah, you're not the first person to say that sometimes there felt like an instrument mismatch. I don't necessarily agree, but um, I have heard the argument, like the, the second zone, Balljet Mountains. Um, yeah, I think that was the one where I had the most... Yeah, sort of people kind of complained about effect. the harpsichord on that one, because it's a harpsichord for an outdoor area. Yeah, so I I think the harpsichord plays, but I under I I have heard this argument before, and I do acknowledge it is valid. Um, it's it it is certainly a compositional choice that is controversial, and extending that to other paths does make sense. Yeah, because and uh, that's going to lead me a little towards a uh, uh, general conclusion. Uh, one of the things that stands out is uh, how much the themes uh, for these games, on top of uh, referencing each other, looking at the past and looking at uh, what's around, um, yeah, are the themes of uh, the characters as much as they are the themes of the scenery around them. Which is why, in more modern installments, the fact that there's even new compositions that are good by themselves, like that uh, Grimoire of Souls opening, it still doesn't hit the same way because even if you have the characters you can look back on, even if you have some new gameplay, you don't really have the new castle to explore, the new mysteries of the wilds that are so 
good to uh, get through in a Castlevania game. It's you are here to uh, whip uh, Dracula in the face, uh, but the gameplay isn't just that moment. It's all of the lead up from the uh, forest far away, where the castle is just a little part of the horizon, all the way to uh, the very chamber on top of that plate of stairs, that is where the fun is. And I'm where have the to hold music back is. so much to not title this episode Rip It Good. You should! Why wouldn't you? Come on! Yeah. Uh, just, uh, I want to make a, a final point about the, the soundtrack of Castlevania as well before we go further into the uh, now playing segment. Uh, that, uh, it's something I hadn't thought too much about, but came through to me as we were researching and finding tracks to discuss on this episode. Mm -hmm. But there's an interesting uh, through line, let's say, uh, in the soundtracks to Castlevania where uh, at first I I'd say the NES and most of the Super NES tracks sort of have more of a, a hard rock vibe to them. Uh, of course, they're not using actual instruments. Uh, and even the, the the sounds they're using aren't really guitar sounds or not usually used as guitar sounds in games of those eras. But there's a sort of hard rock energy to them, to the, the compositions. And as uh, Bloodlines came, we started getting more uh, ambience heavy stuff, which sort of shone through with the Nintendo 64 games. Yeah, but, but to uh, eventually briefly interrupt, uh, what's impressive about that is that while there is this shift indeed, it still felt like a continuity and an evolution rather than a break. Yes, and uh, eventually they sort of matched the, the two halves, let's say. Yes. Because we have games like uh, Lament of Innocence, which has a melancholic theme to the main character who lost his the love of his life alongside a cyber gothic track for the lack of a better term yeah and like uh, uh, games like portrait of ruin and order of ecclesia perfect examples <laughs> it's a it's an interesting example of a, a franchise where the franchise has lasted many many years but the soundtrack has evolved uh, often with long franchises we end up falling into a situation where the soundtrack kind of falls into a similar vibe no matter what game of the franchise you're playing uh, I think Mega Man is a good example like every Mega Man soundtrack is great at least the ones we talked about in the past but you know what you're getting into no yeah. matter what title you're playing with Castlevania, it varies quite a bunch, but it still feels like Castlevania. Uh, I will object uh, on the fact that Mega Man X changed a thing and then became its own very similar thing. Yes, uh, I, I think the, the the thing with Mega Man is that each uh, each sub-franchise has its yeah, own exactly. identity. Like there's but clearly you... defined branches, whereas Castlevania is more spreading harmoniously. Yeah. It's uh, 
with Mega Man, if you get into a specific sub franchise, you know what that sub franchise sub franchise will sound like. With Castlevania, you're in for for adventure, and hey, the game's about adventure, so have a have a an unexpected denouement for you for you there. For a moment, I thought you were going to say, "Have a you." We already did that joke. That works still. And here's hoping we get more games that aren't just locked to the Apple Arcade. Yeah, they're I mean, called uh, Bloodstained. Yeah. There. And uh, I just wanted more of Alucard. And with uh, Konami even doing things with Sukuden of all things, uh, that blew my mind. Yeah, it's more of a time to be hopeful and. But at the same time, it almost feels like a provocation a little that the one thing they're showing as an example of uh, how the uh, Sukaden 2 remakes uh, is uh, going to look and sound like is the party's battle against uh, an evil vampire in his castle. That seems oddly fitting for Konami. Yes. But what that's I not a game we are playing now. Nope. Let's talk about those, however. Music Arcade, now playing. Okay, who's going first this week? Well, I, well, I can get it done uh, pretty quickly. I played Slime Wancher 2, Game's Cool, Music Unremarkable. And there was the uh, update to Genshin Impact. Now it's a slightly tweaked instrumentation from the rainforest to the desert. It's alright, but nothing really remarkable. And the rest uh, is either too long ago for me to remember, or just isn't really worth mentioning musically. Fair enough. Uh... So I've had three games. We have Ark Knights as usual, the Guide Ahead event, um, called Guiding Event, uh, Guiding Ahead originally in in China, but apparently it's now Guide Ahead here in global. Um, Weird localization, but okay. This has been no small amount of consternation on the subreddit. Like people have been raging about this, and I'm just like, I don't care. The music's pretty cool though. Church dubstep is not a combination that should work, and yet somehow this song exists and is great. This boss theme is a really good boss theme. Yeah, bring church dubstep to Castlevania, you cowards. <laughs> um, no? I kind of think, like, no. <laughs> let's go with no on that one. I think let's leave that in Arcanites where that sort of thing can actually function. Uh, on the subject of dubstep, the other one I played was Judgment. The Yakuza spinoff yeah. that is now on Steam that when I started playing it, it wasn't. So that was a big shock to my system. I might play the sequel on Steam. Um, I played this one on PlayStation and damn, this game was good. Um, yeah, it looks great. I can't wait to get my hands on it. I, I feel like you will enjoy it. Um, I, I don't want to spoil too much, but there's a couple of themes that stood out to me, both of which are boss fights. Uh, first is, uh, a boss fight against, against a guy named Kane Man. And, uh, Kane Man doesn't have an actual name. His good twin does. I'm not convinced the good twin is actually a twin. I think that's just Kane Man. 
And I will tell you why. Uh, I have nicknamed Ryo Sasaki, the good cane man, as uh, Majima Jr. Because between the two mm -hmm. of them, they use every aspect of Majima's slugger move set from Yakuza 0, except the baseball bat. So all of his Weapon Master hmm. stuff that I put an inordinate amount of time into uh, into developing, um, yeah, they use all of that, up to and including... Interesting. Up to and including his legend slash knife style. Oh. Yeah. Because that's very distinct. That is very distinct, but when you have Rio, a.k.a. Kane Man's good twin, a.k.a. probably Kane Man, um... As an ally in random fights around town, he busts out the Majima. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what What's interesting about this uh, track, I believe it's the one that's just titled Lambda. Is that a Lambda? I thought that was a Delta. Uh, no, a Delta, you have uh, the three uh, lines. Okay. The Lam capital Lambda is two. I will just call it a triangle. Sure. Yes, Lambda. Let's go for okay. it. Okay. Yeah, and uh, what's interesting to me on striking right from the start is uh, how at least the hook sounds a lot like uh, the uh, Isizaki Ichicho main battle theme from uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon. Oh, okay. The one in Yokohama. Okay, yes, that is very interesting. Yeah, like okay. uh, one is way drier, but... There's a link there. There is a link there. Um, so that brings me Which to my... Ironic? Which is ironic because it's the sequel that happens in the same place. Huh. My understanding yeah. is this character does return to the sequel, so it wouldn't surprise me if that was quasi-pseudo. Probably not intentional at all, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, because I don't think the timing works at all. But that brings me to my headcanon. I nicknamed this guy Majima Jr., but the more I learn about him, the more I think he might actually be Majima's kid. Like, did he huh. ever hook up with Yuki? Or anyone in the Yakuza Zero timeline? Because the age is right. I don't think he did. I don't think so either, but he ages right. He has that, like, quasi-split personality thing where one second he's a just a drunk putz on the other side the other time he's a and the other half of the time he's this like incredibly capable and dangerous assassin um and there's more than enough clues that they are in fact the same person which and yeah again he just uses all of Majima's moveset including one I that is extremely distinctly Majima one of the main things that wouldn't work in that timeline is that uh I will not provide context for that but it doesn't really make sense that Majima is alone. Okay. Fair enough. I, I just, I'm like, this guy has a lot of the same earmarks, including acting like a complete loon when he wants to. So. Yeah. Oh, like to talk in wrestling terms, he joined the tag team division at some point. I. Okay. That went over my head, but okay. I I'm sure I will learn. Good, as that's I made to, that's made to not spoil anything too clearly. Okay, fair enough. Um, cool. Uh and like I've actually uh, a little aside. I've actually seen a, a picture that kind of reignited my uh, desire to do all of the mainline Yakuza game. 
which is a picture simple from Yakuza 5, which just show our beloved Kamurocho, but it's winter and there's snow everywhere. Oh, cool. Merry yeah. Christmas, question mark? <laughs> Probably. Um, anyway, the other song that I wanted to bring up about that, now that we're not talking about Kane Man, there was another... There, I, I didn't actually want to post Kane Man's boss music just yet. Um, that wasn't really my first choice. Uh, my first choice was... I guess I could describe it as the final dungeon battle theme, but I couldn't find that in the soundtrack quickly enough for this episode. Um, instead, I gave us the final boss theme. Hmm. So, I'm not going to spoil who the final boss is. I will say of that... Course. Yep. I will say that it was an awesome fight. Nice. Um, like, damn, that was a fun fight. And Them learning to actually do boss fights is pretty good. Yeah. Um, I will say, okay, going back to comparing again... There is someone you fight four times like Daisuke Kuze in um in Yakuza Zero, but it feels a lot more naturalistic and not as not as obnoxious. Um nice. uh, What's interesting is that his like hardest boss fight is actually his third fight. That's the one that's the actual like fight with this guy. Oh. Um Anyway, uh the final boss the game doesn't hit you over the head with him being the final boss, but it makes perfect sense that it's the culmination of the story. Ed works absolutely perfectly. Um, and the music is kind of a letdown. Gotta be honest. It feels... It doesn't feel as big as a fight like this should be. It's good. Yeah, like, it feels important, right. but it doesn't feel like a big fight. Right, and it is the big fight. It is the thing the whole game has been leading up to in a variety of ways. Um, it's, it's no Heart of Fire. No. No, it's no Heart of Fire. Uh, I do like the song. I don't love it. I kind of wish there was something that went as hard as Lambda. Yeah, no, it's pretty fine. It's fine. But that is probably my biggest complaint about the music in this game, is is the, the, the final boss theme probably should go harder for how tense the situation is. At least, it, from my point of view, it makes for some great background music to write to. Oh yeah, that's hmm. that's pretty true of the Yakuza series as a whole. If you're into like hard EDM, that's the way to go. Yes. Um, Lots of good tracks to pick from. Yep. And finally, I'm still playing FF14, and I'm still grinding out my weapon by beating up um, E8, E8, P8. Excuse me, P8 yes. once a week. This song is good. It works. It, it isn't getting on my nerves seven weeks later, five weeks later, six weeks later. I don't know how many weeks it's been. It's been a while. Yeah. So, you know, good for them. Good song. Good good song. P8, yeah, good they... Song. Turns out having free music uh, throughout the tier helps a lot with fatigue. Especially when the last one is uh, comprised of multiple musics. Mm-hmm. Evan, Eddie, what did you play, and why is it Destiny 2? Yeah, uh, so my list of things I've played since the last time I've been here is obviously a bit bigger considering the time, but uh, for the most part I've just been playing Destiny 2 lately. Um, as of the time of this recording, about uh, a month ago, they released uh, a new season, and with that, Came a free week where you could access 
every expansion. Uh, and I hmm. was a bit behind. Last time I played was 2020. So I had two entire expansions to catch up on. And I enjoyed it and bought them. And I have been playing a lot. Maybe a bit too much. Uh, because I, I just enjoyed the gunplay a lot. It, it is the same guys who made Halo after all. So the gunplay is bound to be great. And coincidentally enough, the new world that you can explore in this expansion gives me some Castlevania vibes because it's the, the personal world created by the titular witch queen of the expansion. And it's a huge sort of marble white structure that reminds me a lot of the castle entrance in Order of Ecclesia. Hmm. So I found that pretty interesting. Um, as for the soundtrack, I I remember in the past episode I brought up how, contrary to most Destiny players, I felt the soundtrack to the, uh, Destiny 2 was a bit meh, with the exception of one song. Uh, this expansion does something uh, that I enjoy quite a bunch and I don't often see, uh, at least not in Western games. I, we all know that I, I don't play that many Japanese games, so maybe in Japan they do it more often. Which is, number one, to use leitmotifs. There is one strong leitmotif that is used throughout the game. And no leitmotifs in any MMORPG we ever played. <laughs> Sorry? Yeah. Had to do okay. it. Fair. Yeah, fair. Uh, the other thing uh, which the, the leitmotif actually brings me to it is uh, something that, again, I don't see in too many games, which is they integrate the lore into the soundtrack. Uh, to explain that, I need a, a little bit of time, but uh, basically in the game's lore, the villain of this expansion, the titular Witch Queen, has created a sort of magical song that is made to be stuck in people's minds, and supposedly she has some, some semblance of control over those people through uh, her song, over those people who have heard it. Uh, no one knows how much control, no one knows if it just, maybe she can see the world through them, but we know there is something. And so that makes the vocals we hear occasionally almost diegetic. Yes, uh, the world is also a representation of this witch queen's mind. That's how these uh, special worlds work. Uh, in Destiny, you are, you are always either exploring uh, an actual planet that exists in the real world, or you're explore, exploring one of these, uh, the game calls them drone ro worlds, uh, which are places that are created through magic and they are at the same time a place and also a physical representation of the mind of the person who created it. So you are pretty no. much literally surrounded by the Witch Queen. So there's this melody. Um, they first introduced, it, uh, introduced the melody on the previous expansion in one of the seasons. Um, actually, it was 2020, but we didn't know what it was back then. And uh, it goes something like... 
I'm so proud of you right now. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. But anyway, it's it's something like that often with slight variations, and that's pretty much become the light motif for the Witch Queen. That's cool. And, uh, games, just to be clear, games do a lot of uh, reusing songs, entire songs, whenever a specific character appears. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like John Williams style like motif where you can hear bits of the Imperial March whenever Anakin does something evil in the prequels. Yeah. So you don't hear the same track all the time, but you hear those eight notes a lot because everything you're doing is under the influence of this witch queen without you knowing because she's a schemer. And I love that. I, I love when games do that. Both the use of a leitmotif and integrating the lore into the music. And I've been having a lot of fun going through that, listening to that. And now that I've, I've learned about the lore of this this uh, song, uh, as the, the lore calls it, I cannot unhear it every time it shows up. <laughs> Which it's fitting since that's its objective in the lore. So... Uh, yeah, I've been having a lot of fun with both the gameplay, found a, a cool clan with hundreds of people. So we've been doing some group content for the first time in an MMO since 2018. And uh, been having a lot of fun with the soundtrack too. Alright. Right on. And that is all we have time for today. It's been a long episode, but hey, lots to talk about. Reminder, you can always get in touch with us by checking the links in the description below and uh, over at the Discord. Can you stop hitting me in the head out with that cross? Never! And I guess we'll see you next time. Have a good one, everybody.